During these 21 days of fasting and prayer, there's been a lot the Lord has been speaking. And um, just, we know he's leading us into, he's led us into um, a, a, a whole new like time period, a whole new season um, as a church and as a ministry. And, you know, we've always been a praying church, but he's leading us to be more of a praying church. And again, the Lord's been speaking a lot of things these past three weeks. And we're going to continue. I'm going to explain that more here in a little bit. But this is a word given. In fact, the Lord gave this to, uh, to Miss Leave a, a couple of weeks ago, last week, actually, as we were praying one of the days here at lunchtime. And I felt like it was something that I should pray and declare over our whole church. So I'm going to do that today before we go into the word. It says, what you build now will be a place for me in days ahead, the church I see. I'm cleansing and healing my beautiful bride, bringing my love to break down her pride. Don't be alarmed by this that comes first. My ways are restoring her hunger and thirst. It won't look like what you thought or as you prayed. My glory will triumph and you won't be afraid. There's nothing to stop me. My kingdom will come. You'll glorify me and I and my son. So keep all these things in front of your eyes my power will break down the enemy's lies building by faith what I lead you to do will block the distractions that try to break through but you will prevail keep your hand on the plow my glory will cover all the hearts that bow today we thank you father We thank you, Jesus. That heaven is open over us. We are experiencing the promise that you gave us in your word, that you would pour your spirit out on all people these last days. Lord, we're experiencing, we know that heaven is open. And today we once again position our hearts, we position ourselves as individuals and as a church to receive even this word that Pastor Julian declared over us today, the former and the latter rain being poured out together. We thank you that you are raining down on us, Holy Spirit, and today we do ask you for more. I ask you for a greater outpouring of your glory, for even tangible, visible manifestations, Lord, of your glory and your presence today, Lord thank you for it and I thank you Lord for your word that is like the rain and the snow that come down from heaven they water the earth and cause the earth to produce fruit and today we thank you that your presence is raining down and your word is raining down in us and it will produce fruit in every one of our lives it will not return void to you but it will produce the result that you desire in our lives and in our church today we receive it and if you want to if it is your desire today to receive a word from the Lord and His fruit in your life. Why don't you say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We receive it today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Man, I just feel like we need to give the Lord a hand for His presence in the house this morning. Come on, give Him your best praise this morning for His presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. And we are... Now, in the fourth and final Sunday of this series, Heaven Open, and as I've said to you and been preaching to you and prophesying to you, it's not so much that we're asking heaven to open, but we are recognizing and acknowledging the reality that heaven is open. Come on, somebody say, heaven is open. Even as we sang the song this morning, Heaven Open, I was singing, heaven's open. I don't know if I was the only one, but I was singing, heaven's open, heaven's open over us. Heaven is open today. And as we go into the the message today, this is our fourth 
and sort of finale. This is our final um, message in this series, and I'm so excited because when the heavens are open, we get to take our life back. Come on, somebody. And we're going to start next Sunday with this, this series that's going to take us through February called Take Your Life Back. And I want to really encourage you, bring people with you next month that need to take their life back. We're going to talk about how God lets us take things back that the enemy stole from us. And I believe God's going to touch people and save people and deliver people and heal people. So bring people with you next month. But today, the, the fourth message of Heaven Open, we're going to go to our Ephesians 2.2.2 again. This is our... Theme verse for this series, and we're going to read it. How about we read it together, all in one voice this morning? Are you ready? Let's do it. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Not just a place he comes and visits, right? There are hotels and Airbnbs and all that kind of stuff when you go on vacation or Maybe you go visit a family member or a friend in another city or something, and there are places you visit. How many people have some places you really like to visit? There are some places I really, really like to visit. There's this one special cabin um, in Blue Ridge that we like to go back again and again to the same place because we just really like to visit that place. We like the environment, but this is not what this is talking about. And God did not call the church to be a place where he just comes and visits every once in a while, Right? Although I want to be a people that he likes and he feels welcome and he can come and visit in special ways sometimes. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, and I'll say it in counter church, we are called to be a dwelling place for the presence of God. A place where he's not only welcome to come visit, but a place where he is welcome to dwell. He's welcome to dwell. You know, when you go to your house this afternoon, you're not going to your visiting place. You're going to your dwelling place. You're there more than you're not, right? And I believe that that's what God is calling us to be. Since the day of Pentecost, since the day of Pentecost, heaven has been open for business. We are not waiting for the rain that Pastor Julian prophesied from the word today from Joel, right? We're not waiting for the rain of heaven. We are living in the time of the rain of heaven, amen? We are not waiting as a church, as the people of God. We're not waiting for revival to come. We are positioning ourselves for the revival that is available to us. Heaven is open. Heaven is open. And the first Sunday of, of the month, we learned about prayer positions. And again, we didn't learn about prayer positions like knees, face, bow. No, we learned about the reality that Prayer positions us. Prayer puts us into the position for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. And then the second Sunday, we learned about humble hunger, that the right attitude is humble hunger. And what is that attitude? God, I need you. I'm not okay. What I received yesterday is not enough for today. Today, I need you. Come on. Is anybody humbly hungry this morning again? Humble hunger keeps us in the right place to pursue and experience His presence. And then last Sunday, how many of you were here last Sunday? Man, we had, I left church uh, telling my wife, Liz, I said, man, that was a long message. We preached, that's about the longest message I've ever preached at Encounter Church. But I kept hearing testimonies of people saying how much you received and learned from that. And I know that God was speaking so much to us through that. It was, what do you have in your house? Come on. We learned that many times the key to seeing heaven open over our lives is actually inside our house. It's inside us. And we got to empty. Sometimes we just got to empty ourselves out. Or we've got to use what is in us to be able to experience the heavens open over us, and that leads us to number four today. The title of the message, if you want to follow along on the inside of your bulletin, is I Hear the Sound. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I hear the sound. Come on, let's do it like little kids. Come on, let's be, let, is it all right if we be childlike a little bit? Come on, go. <gasps> I hear the sound. Sometimes it's hard to get y'all to talk. That was easy. I guess you like being childlike. Turn to somebody else and go, huh, I hear the sound. Have you, have you ever heard the sound? Have you ever heard the sound of a coming 
Thunderstorm? Maybe you might hear in, like, in the distance that rumbling of thunder when it's still many miles away, but you, you hear it. You can be on the inside of your house, and you hear it. It's happened to me in the middle of the night when I'm sound asleep, but all of a sudden you just hear this sound, and you know something's coming, right? And maybe it's, uh, we used to live, I lived 15 years in, 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 the, in the desert of Chihuahua in the New Mexico and man, when there was going to be a, th- there's no trees out there, okay? So you could hear a storm 50 miles away. You could hear like a, like a bowling ball or something like that. You could hear it, boom, 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 and then it would stop. In Georgia, it goes, boom. thunder's forever here because we have so much stuff for it to bounce off of, right? Um. I've been in places where there are windstorms. You can literally, uh, we, 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 where we used to live, there were these things, dust storms, right? And I don't mean like a little bit of dust. I mean like a cloud of dust. And you could see it coming. And you could actually, listen, you could actually hear and smell the storm coming. You ever walked outside and like it's right before a storm and you can like smell the, the, the rain that's kind of coming? My favorite is when I've, I kind of heard the rumbling, and I've stepped outside to see what's happening because it kind of draws you to the, the window or the porch. Or some of you are like, you're crazy. I get inside. And, you know, but I like to go out and hear it and see what's happening, right? And my favorite ones have been when I've kind of heard it coming from a distance, and I go out, and then all of a sudden you can, really, you can hear the rain when it's like a mile away, and you hear it like... And then it's on you, right? Sorry for my lame sound effects, but you know what I'm talking about. But when something is coming and you can hear it, it gets your attention, right? That's why a lot of people, when there's a, there have been tornadoes, the one thing that all of them say is, I heard it, right, like a train, right? Storms, movement of the air in the atmosphere, movement in the heavens produces a sound. Come on, somebody say, I hear the sound. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. This was the very beginning, the very first believers. There was a few hundred of them, and they were all together, right, like we are this morning. And it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone was uh, present was filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other languages or tongues as the spirit gave them this ability at that time there were devout jews from every nation living in jerusalem and when they heard the the loud noise right when they heard the loud noise everyone came running the crowds were drawn on the day of pentecost Not so much in the beginning by something that they felt, but by something that they heard. Come on, say, I hear the sound. It says when they heard the noise, when they heard the sound, they all converged to that place where the believers we're gathering, and by this, now the Holy Spirit is filling them. They're speaking in other tongues, right? And just so happens, this is the first instance in recorded history of interpretation of tongues because the people come, and the, the, the believers are all speaking in other tongues, and they don't know what they're saying. It's something supernatural by the Holy Spirit, but everybody gathers around, and what can they do? They can understand what they're saying. And this, this big, huge Just revival breaks out. On that very day, 3,000 people get saved because they heard the sound. They heard it. What they were attracted to was the sound. And I just want to get this out there today. I really believe that many people don't come to church. Many people don't come to Jesus because they don't hear anything that's attracting them. And these people that were not believers, they were drawn to that place that God was moving because they heard the sound. So much is going on in churches today. And I don't want to be, I'm not in any way criticizing or putting down any church. I love every church in our city. 
I, I believe God wants to pour his spirit out and bring revival to and through every church in our city. This isn't about us and we're not special. But I want to tell you something. I don't want to be a church that just does a bunch of stuff and we might hear it inwardly, but there's no sound going out into our city. Because the lost people are drawn by the sound of the move of God. God is doing something. I believe he is. He has begun. And what he's going to do even greater is going to produce a sound that's going to resound throughout our city, even throughout our nation. And people, many, many people, just like we see on the day of Pentecost, people are going to be drawn because they hear God is over there. I heard about God moving in that place. They didn't hear about church. They didn't hear about our movement. They didn't hear even about our cause. They heard, they will hear, God is over there and he's moving. I got to get over there. I got to see what this is all about. You know, the people in the day of Pentecost, they didn't know what in the world was going on. In fact, some of them continue to read that story. Before a lot of them get saved, they first start thinking, these people are nuts. It's not in the morning and they're already drunk. Right? Go read Acts chapter 2. People literally thought they were drunk because of what was going on. Why do you think they thought they were drunk? I'm sure that they acted like it, right? I mean, for what other reason would people say, man, they're drunk this early, right? But the reality was they didn't know what they were going to. They, didn't, they weren't going to, oh, let me go over there to the upper room so that I might hear the gospel message today. <laughs> they didn't go to church because they planned on it. They went to church because they heard something. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do in this day, in this hour, in our city, in our generation. He wants to move in such a way that the sound of the move of God goes out and reverberates through our cities. And people come running to Jesus. You heard the sound, baby. Come on. I'm sorry that my sound gets loud. <sighs> Sometimes people just don't come because they haven't heard anything that gets their attention. But when God shows up, even people that didn't plan on it come a-running. All, and when I say all, I mean all historical revivals. Every revival in the history of the church has produced this. Lost people, people that don't know God, people that are far from God, come to God. Every revival in history has produced every move of God, every outpouring of the Holy Spirit has drawn people into the kingdom of God. Revival doesn't make the church shrink. Revival makes the church grow. Revival doesn't make the kingdom of God become more limited. Revival expands the limits of the kingdom of God in our world, right? When revival happens, people come to Jesus. And many moves of God, y'all, Many moves of God not only draw in, in people that are far from God, but sometimes the sound of the move of God. Now, especially in the days of, of the internet, right, and, and YouTube and all that, people hear God is moving over there, and they'll, they'll fly from halfway across the world to come somewhere where God is moving, right? I mean, this has happened many, many times in the past just 120, 130 years, right? Now that travel is a little bit better. It used to be impossible, and then we got boats, and then we got cars, and then we got airplanes, right? And now we don't need to go anywhere. We just need to click on YouTube, and you can be right in a revival, right? You can be in the midst of a move of God. I, uh, back, I don't know, I don't remember the exact date. I should have written it down. But what happened in Wales back about 120 years ago, it is believed that in just a matter of a couple of months, over 100,000 people, in Wales is a small country. It was a lot of them came to the knowledge of Jesus and gave their lives to Jesus because of a move of God, even before the days of networking and publicity. They, heard, they, they came because they heard something was happening over there, right? Um, just a few other words. Uh, back at the turn of the century, there uh, happened to be in Los Angeles on Azusa Street. Uh, God moved in such a way and, and he was um, renewing, like renewing in, in, in the American church and in the church worldwide, the baptism in the Holy Spirit in a new and in a fresh way. And people started hearing about it from all over the nation and all over the world. And they converged there in this terrible little building in L.A. until they, you know, they, obviously they busted out of that. And the Azusa Street Revival touched the entire world, okay? Um, and then 
in the 80s and 90s, I remember when I first got saved, I was a teenager, and I'd been to church as a kid, but I really got radically born again as a teenager, and I started hearing about something going on in Argentina. Yvonne is from Argentina. I don't even know if he knows about this. Maybe. Did you know about this? The whole 80s and 90s, like Argentina was revolutionized by the gospel. There were such manifestations of the Holy Spirit, of the glory of God, that literally they would, they would have meetings and it would rain jewels from heaven. The glory of God would come in a physical, tangible way. And when the cloud would come, it would rain jewels from heaven. I know of crazy things like bald people getting their hair in an instant in that revival. Yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And I remember being a teenager and hearing about all this. And all of a sudden, our pastors and leaders, they're off to Argentina. And they come back with these amazing stories. Listen, when there's a sound of heaven, people go. The world is hungry for something from heaven. Some of y'all might think that's crazy. You know what I think's crazy? That you could believe in an almighty God who would not do stuff like that. If the glory cloud came down on the temple of Solomon before Jesus even came and brought us the new covenant and poured the Holy Ghost out of the day of Pentecost, how much more does he want to do physical, tangible manifestations of his presence today? Good. I'm glad you agree. Early 90s. Extreme outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Canada, in Toronto. It started there and then it, that across the whole world. And people started coming from everywhere. People would come from Korea and Australia and all over the place to Toronto. I mean, who wants to go to Toronto? I'm just kidding. I've never been there. I've heard it's absolutely beautiful. Sorry, Craig. Okay. I know it's absolutely beautiful. I've seen pictures, but let me tell you, that's a cold place. And people from all over the world went to this cold city for the fire of God that was being poured out. It happened in the 90s. From there, it kind of transferred over and was happening simultaneously in a little church in a little town called Pensacola. Anybody ever been to Pensacola? Yeah, yeah ain't much there, but beautiful beaches. But God came to this small Assemblies of God church, and it is said they lost count of how many people got saved, how many thousands of people, but through the doors of this small church, it is believed that in the uh, expanse of five years, four million people from all over the world came through that little church because the glory of God would tangibly, physically manifest. People would be saved, delivered, healed without anybody touching them or anything, just the presence of God. And we hear about what's happening in what right now is called the North Georgia Revival. I mean, it's still kind of in early stages, but every single Sunday night, it used to be this small group of people in this small congregation in Dawsonville, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come on, somebody. <laughs> Just kidding. Dawsonville's also beautiful. But, but there it, God started moving unexpectedly, this wasn't planned, nor did they think it would happen like this, but in the baptismal pool, people started getting healed, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered, all this stuff started happening, and the glory of God is tangibly manifesting. You guys, I really believe that God is doing something and going to do something soon in our day. There are many people are going to hear the sound, and they're going to come running. They're going to come running to Jesus. I hear the sound. I tell you, I can hear it. I can hear it in my heart. I can hear it in my spirit. The sound of, the sound of revival. And let me just kind of put this out there. Old, stale religion doesn't make any sound. Well, it makes a sound. It just doesn't sound good. <laughs> but let me just throw this other one in there. This pop culture... When I say hipster, I don't mean the style. If you like the hipster style, that's fine. But this pop culture hipster, let me just say it like this. This sexy Christianity that's out there today. It's just so cool and so suave and, you know, I don't see that. One, 
bringing the presence of God. <laughs> or two, really delivering anybody out of sin and out of the world. I'm not criticizing any movement or any church, but I just want to tell you, when it's God, you will know it. You will hear the sound, and the world will come running to the presence of God. Um, Pastor John Kilpatrick, who had the privilege of pastoring this church in Pensacola when revival happened from 95 to 2000, he said, he literally said, revival has a sound. And he said he can remember the moment on Father's Day, 1995, he can remember the moment when he heard the move of God enter the building. And he said he'll never forget that sound and he can recognize it anywhere. The sound of heaven coming in to a place. I believe we're seeing God move. Oh, but we're going to see him move in a bigger, greater way. And I believe it's not just for us. I believe that the move of God is so that our city can come to him. So that the nation can turn back to God. So that God can use even the American church once again to take the gospel to the nations like we were called to do. I hear the sound of revival. I hear the sound of an approaching awakening coming to our nation. Do you hear it? Let's go back to Elijah today. Is that all right? It's going to be our main story. Last week we talked about Elijah and Elisha from First and Second Kings. And when we talked about the, the oil and all that kind of thing, emptying ourselves out, what's in your house. And today we're going to go back to Elijah. And this is at the end of the Elijah, not at the end, nearing the latter part of Elijah's ministry as a prophet. And so just to summarize again, Elijah lived in the time period where Israel had its most wicked king up until that point and is known as the most wicked king of Israel. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, right? And they not only stopped worshiping God, but they officially like changed the religion of Israel to Baal worship. They worship demons, okay? And, and so what happened was that God told Elijah, I want you to speak to the sky and tell it not to rain. And, no, and it's not going to rain until you tell the sky to rain again. And so Elijah does it, right? And long story short, three and a half years go by in extreme drought, not one drop of rain in three and a half years, which produced a terrible famine, right? The, the food was totally running out. And so about three and a half years pass, and the Lord tells Elijah, go talk to Ahab, <laughs> Now, Elijah had to be pretty brave to do that because Ahab hated Elijah. He wanted to kill him. But Elijah was brave enough to go do what God told him to do. So he goes and he presents himself before Ahab. And Ahab, when he sees him coming, he says, oh, here comes the troublemaker, the one who's made all this trouble for Israel. And Elijah says, you're the troublemaker. You're the one, the way you've led this people into sin. You're the troublemaker. You're the reason it's not raining. You want to bet? I'll show you. And he challenged him. Talk about guts. He challenged him. He said, let's see which God sends fire down from heaven. I'm going to go up to Mount Carmel, just me, with my assistant. And you bring all 400 and some odd prophets of Baal, that they called themselves prophets of Baal. They were filled with demons and they worshiped demons, okay? We're going to both go up, and you could bring, just invite all, just invite all the people. Invite everybody to come see this. He said, we're both going to build an altar, and we're going to see who responds from heaven. And again, long story short, they both build an altar. Ahab and all the prophets of Baal, they do their thing. They dance around it from morning until evening. I mean, they even cut themselves. They do all kinds of stuff trying to make the demons respond, and nothing happens. At one point, Elijah makes fun of him and says, maybe your God is in the bathroom, right? Maybe he's gone to take a nap or on vacation or something, right? But, and then, you know, Elijah doesn't just build an altar, but he digs a big ditch around it, and he fills it with what? Water in the middle of a drought, right? I mean, he offered something very precious in the middle of a drought. He filled, he just soaked the altar and the, filled the ditch with water, and then what happened? He calls on the God, and immediately, whoosh, Fire comes down from heaven. It 
evaporates all the water. It burns up the altar. It actually, it says it licks up all the water in the ditch. And then all of a sudden, everybody does what? The Lord is God. (laughs) The Lord is God, right? Baal isn't God. The Lord is God, right? Now, this just happened. 1 Kings 18, 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, you might need a snack for this one. (laughs) He says, go get something to eat and drink for, I want you to read that. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the... Go on. Do your thing. Get you a little bit of energy. Because I hear something that's coming. And you need to be ready for it. I hear the sound of a mighty rainstorm coming. And in reality, reality, there wasn't a cloud in the sky. What Elijah heard, he heard it in the spirit, okay? But he heard it. So Ahab went to eat and drink. By now, he's like, I better do what this guy says, right? (laughs) But Elijah climbed. Ahab went along on his business, but Elijah went up on the mountain, and what did he do? It says he bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Now, help me, Lord. I don't know if I can do this, but... I don't mean to be vulgar, but that's the birthing position. He put his face between his knees and prayed. He knew he was giving birth to something of God, right? Then he said to his servant, go out and look toward the sea. The servant went and looked and returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. (laughs) Lord, have I felt like that before. Praying my heart out and says, well, don't see anything happening yet, right? Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Come on, say seven. Seven. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Come on, everybody do this. That's all he saw. A cloud enough that he could just covered up with his fist man I like Elijah's faith because what he says right after that Elijah shouted hurry hurry to Ahab and tell him climb into your chariot and go back home if you don't hurry the rain will stop you I don't know about you but when I see a little cloud like that I don't really think that right (laughs) and soon the sky was black with clouds A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly to Jezreel, and the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. I would have loved to see this. It says he tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. The flash, right? (laughs) Come on, this right here I'm about to say is going to encourage somebody because some of you felt like this. Elijah heard the sound before anybody else did. People that have an intimacy with God hear about things before other people do. People who have intimacy with God like Elijah know what's coming before anybody else does. He heard the sound before there was a sound, but it was in the spirit. He heard it. Before there was even a sign of the answer to his prayer. He heard the sound. He knew what God was going to do. He knew what God had told him, right? That when he talked to the sky again, it would rain again. He knew what God said he was going to do. But there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And he heard it before there was a sign of the answer. Sometimes that's what prayer is like. Before we see anything in the natural that is even a little sign of the answer, we know what's coming because we pray and we hear God. Faith hears, and here's, this might be in your bulletin, but if not, you can write it down. Faith hears and declares God's promise before there's ever any sign of the answer. 
Faith hears and declares God's word and his promise before there's any sign of the answer. And then faith it exercises itself and does the, come on somebody, the work of prayer. Faith hears and believes, but the work part of it is persistent prayer. Now, this morning, I'm going to use an acronym, and I know it's cliche, and I know you've probably all heard it before, but I like it. Because I heard this when I was just born again, when I was a teenager, and it absolutely changed the way I look at prayer. Come on, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I know this might be weird, but tell him, get in the birthing position. And push! All of the mommies are like, oh, Jesus. Push. Come on, somebody say push. And if you want, there's a tiny little space. There's some spaces. One, two, three, four. P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens, right? Pray until something happens. Sometimes we just pray and nothing happens and that's it. Push. Imagine if you go into labor, ladies, and you get into the hospital and you got all the signs of labor and the doctor's like, push, and you go, nothing happens. Oh, well, sorry. (laughs) No. (laughs) I know. Get it out, right? (laughs) That's what prayer feels like sometimes. I got to get this thing out. And I'm not going to stop praying until it's out. Come on, say push. All right, the first one, P, pray. I'm going to give you a couple of P words to go along with pray. Private and public. Private and public. Private prayer creates history with God. Private prayer creates history with God. See, Elijah and the Lord, they had some history together. That's why he knew the secrets. That's why he knew what God was going to do before anybody else did. Because he had history with the Lord. You know, intimate friends are intimate because of their history together, right? You can't just know everything about somebody because you spend one day with them. You've got to have history, years together, right? And... Your private prayer life, Jesus called it the secret place. He actually told his disciples, go into your closet and shut the door. Last time I checked, I went in my closet and wasn't nobody else there. (laughs) You get the picture? A lot of our prayer is in private. In fact, the most precious prayers are in private. That's why Jesus, he'd be out doing his thing, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, teaching everybody. And all of a sudden, it was like, where'd Jesus go? He's up on a mountain by himself praying. He was creating his history with the Father. Private prayer creates history in heaven. That's why Jesus said, go to your secret place. Go to the closet. I believe this is a a, a phrase there in your outline. Prayer builds up, uh, private prayer builds up history with God. And when God releases the answers into the earth, it makes history. What we're reading about today in Elijah was the answer to his prayers. And it made history. And we're talking about it today, 3,000-ish years later. Private prayers create history in heaven. And when God brings the answers to those prayers into the earth, it creates history, right? It changes history. Elijah had an extensive history with God. But it's not just private prayer. Let me tell you, please, on a daily basis, just understand every time you privately turn to the Lord, whether you go into a closet, I'm not going in my closet because there's no light but I go into my car by myself or I 
go off into another room by myself. And yes, even the restroom. Because sometimes when you have two young children, that's about the only, not even sometimes, they get in there too. But sometimes, anyway, all right, I'm not going to go down that road. But where every single time you privately, personally, secretly talk to the Father, there's history being created, written in heaven. And that, that is filling up the bowls in Revelation, right? With incense and all of a sudden, boom, he releases the answer to those prayers onto the earth. But it's not just private prayer. There's also, the, the other P word is public, public prayer. See, private prayer in the secret place is intimacy, but public, united prayer is power. It's power. There is power released through agreement. Matthew 18, 19, and 20. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there, Jesus said. I am there among them. See, there's power in public prayer, but not just praying in public, praying together in public, praying corporately, praying in a united way. And the power of united prayer is the presence of Jesus. The power of unity is no coincidence says if you come into agreement, my father will answer you because wherever two or three of you are or more, I'm there. See, the power of us coming together publicly to pray is Jesus' presence shows up. And where Jesus' presence shows up, there's nothing impossible. There is power in united prayer. You until. We got P, pray. You until. Let me give you a U word. Unrelenting. Unrelenting. Elijah didn't pray once and give up. He knew what the Lord said he was going to do. So he prayed how many times? Seven. Seven means complete. He prayed as much as was necessary. He prayed until the answer came, right? We got to pray. We have to pray through, y'all. And I know I've been there when I pray for something. And I just kind of, you know, I've already prayed three times. I'm done. Like, Lord. Or you just kind of get discouraged about it and you just kind of move on to another prayer request. But listen, when God has showed you something, when God has shown you something, when he has revealed a promise, a word to you, something he wants to do, don't give up on praying. Let's be unrelenting. Let's pray until. Let's pray through. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said, keep on asking. And you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find keep on knocking and the door will be open. Be unrelenting until, until S. Pray until S. Something. Something, y'all. <laughs> Something's got to happen when we pray. Because if something doesn't happen, nothing happens, right? Let me give you an S word for that one. Signs. Signs. The small cloud was evidence of God's action. It was a sign. And sometimes the Lord, as we're pursuing him and, 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 and persisting in prayer, sometimes you may not see the big answer yet, but there's just something that happens, some little sign that lets you know he's at work, right? He's at work. He hears me. He's moving. No, I don't see the answer fully yet, but I know something is happening, right? Signs. When we are a, a prayer-driven people, I want you to apply this personally. If you are a prayer-driven person, you become aware and conscious of the movement of God. You see things that other people can't see. You see the signs that other people don't see if you're a person of prayer, small signs of God activity are the evidence that the full answer shall come. Amen? Amen? Small signs. I want you to take the small signs of God's activity in your prayers as the evidence that the full answer is going to come. Amen? P-U-S. H. Pray until something happens. 
Sometimes we stop at the smallest signs and we're like, oh, thank you, Lord. Maybe that's just the way you wanted to answer it. It wasn't as big as I thought. Thank you for the little cloud. What God has revealed is going to happen if we'll persist. Let me give you the H word for happen. It's a phrase, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. What happens when we pray until something happens? What happens? Heaven invades earth. First thing Jesus taught his disciples to pray was our Father, Abba, right? You're in the heavens. And and he says, your kingdom, which is the kingdom of heaven, right? Come, your will be done in the earth as it is in the heavens, right? The answer to prayer is heaven invading earth. That's what the answer to prayer is. His kingdom comes into the earth and his will gets done in the earth through people who push. Through people who pray until something happens. And I believe we've begun to see heaven just invade in a fresh way. But you guys, there's more. And we're going to pray. And listen, today I want to say this. Pray until something happens. And then guess what? Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Because we're not here. We're not the people of God just to conquer one of God's promises in his word. We're going to push until our time comes to go to glory. Or until he comes back. We're going to pray until something happens. And then we're going to pray until something else happens. And then we're going to pray until something else happens. We're going to pray and we're going to pray some more. I knew when we started these 21 days of fasting and prayer that it wouldn't just be 21 days. I knew the Lord was calling Encounter Church to not just be a praying church, but to be a praying, praying church. And we have decided starting this week, today is the last day of the 21 days, but we're going to just keep going right on in it, right? We might can flash that slide up there again if that's not too much trouble, the prayer times. We're going to keep pushing. We've been pushing for 21 days. Thank you. Our our desire, our vision is to one day have a place where there could be 24-7 accessibility to come pray. We don't have the facility for it yet, nor necessarily enough people to host prayer just yet for that. But we're going to get it. I believe one day we're going to have a church building where there's a prayer room that 24-7, it's open and people come and go and pray all the time. But what we are going to do is what we can do right now, and that's four times a week. Okay? Let me just tell you, if you ever come up to the church at any time when there's not a service, you will hear worship going on in this place 24-7. We leave worship music on 24-7, right? Because we just want to entertain the Lord and the angels all the time in this building, right? There's worship playing all the time. But we're also going to be, we wanted to give different ones of you options because I know your different schedules, you know, mean you can come, some of you can come at one time, some of you can come at another time. So we said, we're going to do a Tuesday lunch hour prayer. If you would like to fast lunch and come pray or pray and then eat lunch afterwards or whatever. But Tuesday noon prayer. We, yeah, don't bring your lunch to prayer now. Wednesday, Wednesday, this is our church-wide corporate prayer that we've always had Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's an awesome time of prayer and worship and, and the prophetic and all that. We'll continue doing that. And then Friday Believe it or not, Friday night has been our most attended prayer meeting, the late night prayer. <laughs> all, the, all the less old people said amen to that one, right? <laughs> Especially all of you with no children said amen to that. But Friday night, late night prayer. And you guys, it hasn't gone to 10. It's gone past that because the Lord is just moving. And then Saturday, uh, some of you would prefer to just pray you know, in the morning. It's not early morning because it's Saturday but a morning time prayer at 11 a.m. Why? Because we are going to just keep on pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. We're going to see God fulfill his word in our life, in our church, in our family, in our city. Now to end this, this is the end. This is the last thing there in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to not just have, I've said, I said this, I did a whole message about this, but I'm just going to say it as a small little point. Don't just have a prayer life. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that term. I still use that term sometimes, but I want us to wrap our minds and our hearts around something different. To have a prayer life sounds like it's part of my life. 
Like I have my home life, my work life, my church life, and I got my prayer life. Like it's a compartment of my life. I want to challenge you to think differently and act differently about it. Don't have a prayer life. Have a prayer lifestyle. While having a prayer life is great, having a prayer lifestyle is even better. What's a prayer lifestyle? First, uh, First Thessalonians 5.17. Never stop praying. Now you can't be on your knees in your bedroom or at the church or in your closet 24-7 praying. But I'll tell you one thing you can do. You can talk to God and hear God 24-7. And there are moments of special private prayer and there are moments of public prayer. But let me tell you, you can be driving down the freeway. Never stop praying. You can be in the middle of disciplining your children. And you know you need to not stop praying. You can be in the glory and be praying. You can be going through the middle of a hard moment or a temptation. You better not stop praying. Keep the lines of communication with heaven open all the time. That's a prayer lifestyle. You can stand to your feet. See, we aim. We aim. Not only to make our lifestyle as followers of Jesus prayer, the prayer lifestyle, but we continue to aim and push for this culture and this lifestyle. We started the first week of the month with prayer, and today we're ending this last week of the month with prayer. Our culture is a prayer culture. Our ministry is a prayer culture. It's our lifestyle as a church. We are people of the presence, and we are positioned in and under the presence through prayer. So we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray. I hear the sound. I hear the sound. I hear the sound of a coming awakening. I, I have literally heard the sounds in our church and in places where God is moving right now, the sound of stirring. That's what it is right now. It's like the sound of stirring, almost like there's a... When people just kind of start talking, you hear this, you hear that, you know what's going on? It's like a stirring. But I hear beyond that stirring, I hear the sound in my spirit of like an awakening. It's almost like an alarm. An awakening coming. Can you hear it? Let me tell you, if you pray, you're going to hear it. Huh. 